Welcome to the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. Here's your host, Jason A. Meiske. Hello, my friends. Welcome to episode 52 of the Sample Chapter Podcast. Yes, don't adjust that dial. This is episode 52, and it's Thursday. Yeah, what is going on? Another episode in the same week? Yep, yep. If you check things out back on episode 51 just a couple days ago, uh, which I highly recommend you go back and check out because that was a wonderful interview with the incredible Tosca Lee, New York Times bestseller. Oh my gosh, it was a great time. Uh, but anyway, I talked a little bit at the beginning how that uh, we have a surplus of interviews built up in the banks, all done, ready to go. And I realized, you know what, if I just leave them there, uh, it, it's going to take months before some of these authors' stories and chapters come forward. So for right now, I'm going to try a little something. Uh, we're going to do a bonus episode once a month for right now. Uh, so you're looking at, you know, a minimum of five episodes every month that you're going to be getting. Uh, lucky you, lucky me. Uh, <laughs> you know, the authors, I'm sure, are going to be happy to get a little bit, get their episodes out there a little bit faster. Uh, so yeah, we're going to try this out and see how it goes. And uh, I'm excited for it because, you know, i got another amazing author with a fantastic story. It, it's an exemplary <laughs> story. I think he'll, he'll appreciate that. Uh, but anyway, we'll go right back into, you know, our usual stuff real fast. I don't want to take up a lot of time. Uh, but we do have uh, where you can find us. Of course, we are on social media, on Facebook and Twitter. Look us up there at the Sample Chapter Podcast, both of those pages. Uh, you can like us, follow us, whichever one you prefer. You can contact us through there. You can also contact us at samplechapterpodcast at gmail.com. If you would like to reach out to us, if you have any comments, if you want to say something, uh, get a shout out on the show. If you're an author and you would like to come on the show you can send a contact me that way or if you have a recommendation like shiloh up in independence uh, missouri you know just send me a send me a message and let me know who you'd like to uh, hear here on the on the show uh me personally one of the authors i'm still working on and i know he listens once in a while or excuse me i know his his assistant listens occasionally uh that's robert mccammon that's that's just, my pinnacle that's the one i am trying to get to right now uh, i've been working on that for several months but uh, we'll see we'll see what happens you, know, you, you never know i've had some incredible people on here and uh you know some amazing independents who are new and and really working hard and doing amazing and wonderful stuff and i'm just happy to have this uh this platform for all of them and uh i'm really you know we're i'm very blessed that uh more successful authors also uh, have come onto the show once in a while. So we'll see what happens. But as I was saying, you can contact us through any of those methods and uh, be happy to uh, happy to have you on. Uh, we're going to skip our sponsor spot this week because we already did one earlier in the week. But make sure you go to ustoral.net. That is the letter U-S-T-O-R-A-L-L. -L. Uh, that is our sponsor. And uh, you know, check out their website if you're in the... And, you know, shopping for self-storage in the Warrensburg area. Uh, also, don't forget to go check out our friends at Pop Goes the Culture. 
that's a, a, a whole network of shows. They have a lot of them under their umbrella. So check them out at popgoestheculture.com. Uh, and then also, uh, you know, I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't also say, don't forget to go and subscribe to our show, uh, the Sample Chapter Podcast on iTunes or wherever it is that you like to listen to shows. Uh, hit that little button, subscribe to the show. Uh, if you like what you hear, give us a rating. It really means a lot and it helps the show grow, uh, as does if you tell a friend. You know, if you tell a friend, say, hey, yeah, I got this show. My buddy was on there. He wrote a book and uh, they... They interviewed him, so check out uh, Sample Chapter. And, you know, Jason's all right. He does a decent job. So, <laughs> anyway, but yeah, leave me a rating, and uh, I, I will uh, forever be grateful. As I said, I'm going to be quick this week uh, and get us on over to our guest, who is voice actor, audiobook narrator, author, and podcast host of Excelsior Journeys. I am talking about St. Louis resident George Saroy. We have a fantastic talk. I had actually caught some of his episodes. Uh, I can't remember how I found it. I think I was looking for Missouri, uh, something in Missouri, and, and I came across him. And I uh, listened to some of his episodes, and I highly recommend you go check out his podcast. He does an amazing job uh, finding p talented people all over the place. You know, It's not just authors. It's, it's people from all walks of life. And, uh, you know, he really lifts them up, but he's also an author, you know, and then he does some, some really great voiceover work, uh, and as a uh, voice actor and narrator. So, uh, but we talk about those kinds of things. We talk about how he got into the narration and voice acting uh, bit. Uh, we also discuss, <laughs> he has a really great Stan Lee story that you don't want to miss, uh, from when he got to meet Stan Lee one time. And uh, it, it's really, really cool. So, I mean, and you can kind of you can see the link there. If you look at the name of his show, the name of, of uh, his book that you're going to hear from today, Excelsior. So if you know Stan Lee and his history, then you understand that connection that's there. And it was a, he has a, an amazing visit with Stan Lee uh, once. And you don't want to miss that. Uh, but, of course, we also talk a lot about writing. And I tell you what, his... His story about his first book and how it evolved and what it became, uh, you know, eventually became, it's just pure inspiration for authors out there. So if you're a struggling writer and you're trying to get that first book done, uh, listen to what George has to offer, because I think it's inspiring to know that, uh, you know, it's going to happen if you just don't give up. But, uh, you know, I'm not going to put words in his mouth. Let's get on over to our guest, George. Saroy. Hello, fans. Welcome back to another episode of the Sample Chapter Podcast. Today, I am very excited because I'm reaching my hand across the state to another Missouri native, uh, George Saroy. Here with us today, he's a voice actor, audiobook narrator, author, and podcast host himself of the Excelsior Journeys. George, welcome to the show. Jason, how are you? Glad to be here. I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm doing wonderful. And I'm really happy to have you here. Uh, how, how's your day been so far? Uh, my day's been good. Um, it's, it's been very good, actually. Just uh, doing a little, you know, getting a little checkup from, uh, from the doctor. Um, I'm on week three of a shift in our, in our diet. We're now doing uh, paleo again. We had success with it back in 2015, and we're giving it another shot, and I'm already down uh, significantly. So 
feeling good, feeling good about the progress. And um, hopefully, probably within the next day or so, I'll have finished a project that I'm doing for one of my clients, narrating his novella, and then jumping into another piece of work from the same client, which is a full full on novel. And so this is uh, this is definitely an exciting time between this, between the podcast, between my own writing projects. Things are things are all all of a sudden just seem to be happening. 2019 is definitely off to a great start. Man, that's that's fantastic. That, that I, I love it. Congratulations, and you're going to appreciate this. That's awesome. <laughs> You've heard my show. <laughs> <laughs> I have heard your show. Yes. Go ahead and uh, uh, tell. <laughs> Tell the audience a little bit about yourself uh, as, as far as like who you are, what you do. <laughs> well, apparently I, you know, I interview as well as Chris Farley did to, uh, to Paul McCartney. Just <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I have, uh, I've been, I've been a, a writer, storyteller somewhat, you know, in some sort of sense of that for most of my life. Um, I have been kind of tinkering with some characters since fourth grade I'm actually still tinkering with them and getting to getting to uh, to a place with them where I will be able to start up their own uh, sci-fi young adult series in book form after I finish the trilogy that I'm doing right now because the main I would say like the centerpiece of all my work is a trilogy called uh, the Excelsior Journey and this is uh, this is all about a character that I created back in 1992 named Excelsior. And uh, if you if that word sounds familiar, then you have obviously heard of the, the late great Stan Lee, who always ended his rants on uh, with Stan Soapbox and all of his uh, appearances and everything with with the big Excelsior. And he was he was inspired to do that by the New York State flag. I always gravitated toward that toward that word, having grown up in New York before spending some time in Richmond, Virginia, then getting back to New York and spending like about 17 years there before making the move to St. Louis in 2011. So I've been, you know, like kind of back and forth along the East Coast and then finally decided to take a trip over to the Gateway just because, mainly because my, my wife is from here and if we were going to start a family, we needed to have family nearby. And so we wound up doing that. We have a house, which we definitely would not have had in New York City. And we have a beautiful daughter now, and everything is going very, very well with all of that. But yeah, with with Excelsior, it, um, I had been tinkering with him ever since I created him back in 1992. And in 2008, I decided that that was going to be the time when I would put him into book form. And it was right around that time in March of 2008 when Stan Lee was actually in New York City for the New York Comic Con. And he was doing an, a signing session over at Borders. This is how far back it's going. Borders. I know the place. Oh, yep. <laughs> oh yeah. There was a, there was a, a great Borders store on 57th Street and Park Avenue. Terrific place. I would go there all the time when I was working around that area. So I wound up going, going there for this signing. And I went up to Stan and I got to basically just thank him for not only creating so many great characters, but inspiring me to create my own. And in true Stanley fashion, with a big smile on his face and everything, he just goes, oh, great, more competition. <laughs> and, <laughs> and which, again, big laugh and everything. I, the, the man had so much energy. It was, it was amazing. And so I got to tell him that one character in particular was directly inspired by him. 
And when he asked for, you know, like what I meant, I just leaned closer and I just said, his name is Excelsior with a big smile on my face. And the smile on his face grew even bigger because he just went like, oh, that's great. And gave me a big handshake and wished me luck on it. It was like, it was the closest thing I can get to getting a blessing from the Pope. It was, <laughs> it was exactly what I needed to get started. And I started it about three months later. And the only thing that I regret is I really, really regret never being able to send him a copy of mm. at least the 2017 edition. Cause that thing went from, it went self-published in 2010. Then it got picked up by a small press in 2013. And then when that small press went under, another small press was interested in it. And they even said, would you mind letting our editor take a crack at it? Because it's, it is very good, but we believe it can be better in this and this and this. And, and I just said, you know, like, absolutely. I want it to be the best it can be. And it turns out that the editor working there is one of my best friends. And, but, you know, like, you know, best friend, whatever, she took a sledgehammer to it. And, <laughs> you know, but that's what best friends do because they, you know, they know that you can trust them to tell you when something's not working. And sure enough, there was a lot in that book that wasn't working. And I took about two to three months or so just kind of rewriting it. And now it's finally at the place where I want it to be. And God bless my cover artist, Molly Phipps, um, who, is, who works for my publisher, Aloris Publishing, because she is an absolute genius. And the work that she did made me cry for both of my books, for both Excelsior and Ever Upward, which is part two. I was in absolute bliss when I saw the work that, they, that she had done, when I saw the work that, that my editor, Rebecca Jaycox, did. Everything about it, you know, like everything just fell into place the way that it should have. And... So now I'm, I get to start part three, which is called Greater Glory. And that's going to wrap up that trilogy and also be a uh, slingshot into the next series, which is going to be something else, you know, further down the road. Yeah. It'd be, and, and like we were talking before with the, with the covers and you just touched on it, everybody listening, you've got to go, I'm going to have the links in the show notes, but you've got to go and and check these out the covers it's like being in high school and you got your notebook and you just tore it open and there's your story inside it's beautiful that's really that's really the best the best explanation the best description of my cover art that i could that i can even imagine like that is <laughs> that's exactly what it is and it's it's what i always wanted just kind of like um just to quote dorothy parker i hate writing i love having written and mm -hmm. that's basically what it is right there is just because like we all want that story to be absolutely perfect once it goes from your head to the page. And it's not going to be that because you kind of have to go through you first and then other you know, people like your beta readers, your editor and everything. And it's, it's going to be a process. But at the same time, like if you can work hard at it and not give up, then what will be on the page will be the closest thing possible to literally taking taking your head off and putting it on the page and you know as morbid as that may sound <laughs> no no it, it actually makes a lot of sense and i think it's inspiring too because you know just like from your example you can put the book up and then over the years it can be changing it can be you know it's going to keep getting better as we improve as authors and exactly there's, there's that chance that just like with you your excelsior book became something that it was your passion project and you did it yourself to now you've got full representation. Yeah. I mean, yep. it's don't give up. This is a, it's a great story for other authors out there. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. And and not only that, but you know, like it was this past September, I took part in a really wonderful event here in St. Louis called PenCon. And it was from there that I wound up getting my agents. So yeah, I am, you know, like, like you said, I have representation, you know, like I got representation from through Metamorphosis Literary Agency because of Excelsior and also because of my, um, my other, my other real passion project, which is a very, very niche kind of story, which is my five part serial from Parts Unknown. I really give that a lot of credit because it was, that was, that story was the one that really kind of, you know, got my agent really interested in talking to me. So that's, it's one of those things where it's just like, you never know what's going to strike at that, at that right time. Um, it's like what uh, Stallone said when he spoke to producer Robert Chardoff, he was there to audition for an acting role. And when he didn't get it, when it wasn't right for him and everything, he just kept on talking. He was just like, you know, I write too. Um, I, got, I did something about this and I got something about boxing. And all of a sudden, Bob Shardoff has to read it. And he wind up, he wound up like a few, like about a week later, he winds up getting the first draft of Rocky. And that never happens if Stallone just said like, okay, thanks, and then leaves. So yeah. you never know. Nope. You, ha- you, know, you can't just keep it all bottled up, especially if this is what you want to do. You know, you have to let it out there and you got to let the world know that you're out there. You know, because that's, that in a sense, you know, like basically like what we're doing right now, we as, you know, like we as authors, we are storytellers and we are putting, getting our stories out there in any way that we can. And that's something that people need to do more often. I couldn't have said it better myself. Well, all right. So, and then you talked about it a little bit, but you touched on, uh, tell us about From Parts Unknown. From Parts Unknown was definitely, definitely a passion project because that was something that I knew was never going to have, you know, like great universal appeal. <laughs> but at the same time, it, it had uh, its roots in something that does have a lot of worldwide appeal, which is pro wrestling. During the time that uh, that I was thinking about this particular storyline, it was around uh, 1994, and this was around the time when uh, the Undertaker had kind of transcended into like a much more larger than life type of character on the show, mm. um, you know, in, and in the ring and everything. So. I remember taking a walk. This is during my freshman year of college. I took a walk like around Amsterdam Avenue. And I just remember thinking to myself, like, what would it be like if all those situations that were happening, all those over-the-top characters, over-the-top storylines and everything, what if they all happened in real life? What would that kind of world be like? And I just started thinking about, you know, like, well, it would be, there would be definitely be some sort of a power play between the main good guy and the main bad guy and you can have somebody who's almost like somebody who's kind of modeled after the undertaker being like this force in between like he would be used as a weapon for for one uh, faction and then would realize how he was being used and so he goes and turns on his creators so there were elements of like i was throwing in elements of it was it was a mixture of rollerball network the manchurian candidate and no holds barred like that was, that was my, those are my big four that I, that I put in there. And I was just like, you know, this is just going to be a whole lot of fun. So it started off actually as a video game treatment. Um, I just started like a this little video game proposal that I was thinking about where you would be this character who's all of a sudden turned into this, you know, this huge weapon. And he's got to 
tear his way through the ranks of all the good guys and then cuts to the storyline after he beats the, the champion and then passes the belt onto the head bad guy. That's when he is supposed to kill the champion and he looks out into the crowd and he sees his wife and he's all of a sudden just starts to get back some of his memories and winds up turning on his creator. And then all of a sudden he's got to go all the way down to at the bottom of the ranks for the bad guys and work his way up to the new champion. That was my thought, you know, like originally. Mm-hmm. And then it was just like, well, let's see how it is as a treatment for a script. So I wrote the treatment. Let's see how it is as a script. And I wrote about 10 drafts between uh, 99 and 2001, you know, 2000 or so. And it even like, uh, I even put it through to uh, this, this little film festival in the city called the New York International Independent Film and Video Festival. So really, you know, it's not really much that was, that was really happening there, but it was a fun, it was a fun little festival. And they actually created a category just so they can give me a certificate, just saying best futuristic drama. And you're like, there you go. And so in 2001, I decided, you know what, uh, let's see how it is as a novel. And so I wrote the novel and actually had it published through iUniverse. And this is back in 2002. And when self-publishing is nowhere near what's up, what it is today. Mm-hmm. And so it, I, I sent it out in November 2002. It came out and then it died. You know, it, my friends and family got it. They all got a kick out of it and everything. And it was just like this little 230-something page novel. And I felt like that I had kind of done what I needed to do with it. But then in 2011, when Excelsior came out in its self-published version, I was asked by another author, what other things do you have? And I said, you know, like, well, I have from Parts Unknown, but I don't have it. I don't really own it. iUniverse has it. And they're not doing anything with it. They said that they were going to put it out on ebook if I bought 25 copies at, at 50% off and they never lived up to their end of the bargain. I bought all the copies, but you know, like, what are they going to do with it? And so that author just said, like, just get, it, get the rights back. You get the rights back, you get to put it out yourself. So I got the rights back and then I reread it and I realized I didn't like it anymore. Uh, I love the concept. I love the storyline but I didn't like the way that it was because I was, you know, that was, that was me as a writer in 2001, 2002. And I'd like to think I'd gotten better since then. (laughs) So I spent from 2011 to January of 2015, basically just literally just chopping it down and then building it all back up. Perfect example. Did you ever see the remake of RoboCop from 2014? Yes. So, you know, the great scene that they did where Alex, Murphy asks, asks the doctor to show him just how damaged he is. <laughs> yeah. Weigh all the carcass and everything. And all it is just like the head, the lungs, and the right hand. Right, That's yeah. basically what, what I did with that book, with that original book. There's the head, there's the lungs, there's the right hand. And that's pretty much it. He's got a whole new body now, and it's a much <laughs> better body to a point where it just needed to be bigger and bigger and bigger. And that's when I decided I need to make this a five-part serial. So that way it becomes like a much easier read. And now it's just like, it's, it's all finished. It's exactly what I wanted it to be. I'm so, so thrilled that it's all done and it's out there in the world. And even though like it's, it's not exactly burning up any sort of bestseller charts, it's something that's, that's out there and I'm just proud that it is, you know, just one of those things where it's just like, I don't care if this one lives or dies. I just need to get that story out of my system. And there it is. 
<laughs> well, that's awesome. I mean, and you've got the uh, the silver seal on there, the five star uh, seal yep. on the covers, and and I, I love the way the covers all fit together, uh, like a big ring. And you yeah. can do it, uh, it with your the all five, or you can condense it down to your two part series. It's, all cre- all credit to Rachel Bostwick for for putting that together. She did a terrific job with that. Fantastic. Yeah, it looks it looks amazing, and I, I love it. <laughs> it's and I love like going down that little memory lane with you. That that was a lot of fun. Now you also do uh, you're an audiobook narrator and voice actor. How did that come about? Uh, that came out of out of desperation because <clears throat> I was you know they they say like necessity is the mother of invention. In August of 2015, I had lost my job where I was working at a church. Uh, the senior minister at the time decided she wanted to do something different with my position, and therefore I was no longer qualified to be in my position. And so, so I started basically just thinking about like, okay, what do I want to do? I know I'm going to be going for another admin job somewhere. I know I'm putting my resume out there, but what do I really want to focus on? What is it something that's really grabbing me? And I tapped into an old love of voiceover work when I watched the John DiMaggio documentary called I Know That Voice. And I even got to, um, just this past August, I even got to talk about my love for that documentary with one of the people who was in the documentary, actually two people, because I spoke with, um, in in two different uh, conventions, I spoke with Greg Berger, who was the the voice of Grimlock from Transformers Generation One. And, um, and then I also got to talk with Phil Lamar, who is, you know, from Futurama and I got to, you know, and, you know, so it's, it was great being able to chat with them about how much that documentary inspired me to want to get into doing some sort of voice acting, just something to get, to get myself out there. Mm-hmm. And so I basically just decided that, um, I needed to get some voice lessons and it turns out that some that uh, there was a place called Clayton Studios over on Big Bend that I had been passing by so often to get to my work. So I knew where it was. So I reached out to them. I got their prices for their voiceover lessons, which they did. And as soon as I got that, I was just like, okay, I'm not in a position to throw that kind of money at my, you know, for these out there for these lessons, especially now that I'm trying to get a job. And so I basically just reached out to all my author friends on Facebook. And I said, for 20 bucks, I will narrate 1000 of your words. You can take that MP3 file and do whatever you want with it. Put it on your website, do whatever. For 10 bucks, I'll narrate 500 words. And through that, I wound up raising enough money to get my, to get those lessons paid for. And since then, one of my previous jobs actually had me working with their learning and talent development department. So I was narrating over a dozen of their uh, PowerPoint presentations that they still use today. And I took a shot with, uh, with, na- with audiobook narrating by narrating a, um, the first chapter of Excelsior for my publisher, who was the, um, the small press in 2013. And she loved it. She, you know, she gave me the green light to go ahead and do the whole book. And then since then, in 2017, when I signed on with this, with this other uh, small press, um, a Loris Publishing, you know, they were they were generous enough to um, let me let me run with the audio rights, and because of that, you know, like I went I went ahead and just reread all of Excelsior, 
And I actually want to do it again because since I recorded that version of the audiobook, which is out there now, and I'm still very proud of, of how that sounds, but I, you know, you always think, you always know that you can do it better. And mm. since, I, since I did that one, I've actually gone and fixed up my uh, studio even more. So now it's, you know, everything sounds a little bit richer, a little deeper, and I think that, uh, that it would definitely play better. So it's something that I definitely want to do. I definitely want to narrate that one. Would love to narrate Ever Upward as well. And I would love to have both of them done before September. So those, that's a, that's a, September is a very special deadline that I'm putting, that I'm putting on myself. <laughs> I, I'm telling myself like, okay, if I can get those books, you know, like re, you know, narrated, if I can get from parts unknown narrated, if I can get other people's books narrated, and at some point actually write the third part of Greater Glory, somehow I got to make all this work. So it's got to happen. So, <laughs> so like, is that's, it's, it's one of those deadlines where you just feel like it's, it, it needs to go forward with it. You know, it just feels like September is the right time to do it. Yeah, that, that's really cool. And one of the things that really strikes me, listening to you talking about the serendipity and how many things have have worked out at the right time. Something happened, you lose a job, but it led to something else. I can identify with that so well. When, when my wife and I left the military in 2011, which ironically was when you went to, came back to Missouri as well. We left yep. Japan and came back to Missouri at that time oh, ourselves. Wow. I had a job lined up. And after the first interview, I found out like a week later, they sold the company. And, oh, but because man. of that, like we went to church that weekend and I ran into my boss today. He, he's an old family friend. And uh, we, we went to lunch. He said, Oh, well, I've got a guy uh, retiring from my office. Why don't you come in and fill in and I'll put you to work. And, you know, here we are eight years later and I'm, I'm still there. And it's because of that day job. I have uh, my, well, same thing. I have my home. I'm providing for my family while my wife is finishing school. You know, I'm pursuing dreams and, and they're, you know, that day job is my, my sponsor for my show. So, I mean, it's yeah. because of losing that other job, I've got so many things and it's, it's nice to hear somebody else who's also recognizing gifts through failure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really, I mean, it's, it's the, you know, that, um, I mean, I keep on, you know, citing all these different people, but you know, like, uh, what Michael Jordan says, you know, like I've failed so many times in my career and that is why I succeed. Mm -hmm. You know, because you go through those, you go through those experiences and you just have to learn something from it. You got to pick yourself up. You have to keep moving forward. Absolutely. And that's, that's what, you know, that's what we have done. And that's what, you know, that's what I, that's what I'm doing now, you know, because right now, just like, uh, just like you said, you know, things have, things have fallen into place where all of a sudden I have more opportunities to, to live my mission. You know, my mission is a storyteller and whether it's my own story that I'm telling or someone else's, you know, it's being told and it's being told now and yeah. it's being told because I have the time to do it. Yeah. Well, and, and, and you're taking charge of that too, with your own podcast, uh, the Excelsior journeys and yes. telling other people's stories. This is, this is an awesome thing that you're doing. Because uh, it's not just authors. I mean, you're grabbing people from all walks of life. I, I was listening to you talk to a, an old friend who's a Beachbody coach and changing people's lives you know, through health. I mean, this is a really cool podcast you got going on. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, this, this was something that 
um, that was born through my Facebook <laughs> friends page. Uh, because I took a look at at everyone who was there, and these are all people that I've known for all walks of life. Like there was, you know, I've known people from grade school, college, you know, obviously high school and middle school, and at uh, previous jobs, and uh, people that I've yet to actually meet face to face, but know them through Facebook because I love to network with other authors. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, like I'm just looking through that, and I was just like, wow, you know, like I, you know, they're actors or actresses they're musicians they're painters they're uh they're filmmakers they're uh they're voice actors they are audiobook narrators as well um they're do, you know they're doing like all this great stuff they're playwrights they're award-winning playwrights and they're dancers and you know because that's a that's another thing my uh my wife cheryl um really got me into west coast swing and through that you know like i've been able to i've been able to compete you know, for in, uh, in dance competitions, you know, I never thought that I would do that. Never even thought I'd be teaching beginners, but you know, like I've been able to do that. And because of that, I was able to, you know, chat with some really great people. And when I was going through that, I was just like, wow, these are so, all these people that are doing all these great things, they need to get out there. They need to be interviewed. They need to be on podcasts, you know, which podcast would they go on? You know, like they would, they would they were just rocking you know, like these these kinds of shows and then all of a sudden it realized it's like okay so they're going to be on my podcast <laughs> and during that time i had been working with uh, david allen lucas who is the the head of winding trails media and his roundtable series called right pack radio and i had been a part of the right pack for a few years and i really got in the hang of being a part of a podcast and it was a real thrill to be a part of it and so that's when I decided that I was going to kind of break away and start my own. And at this point, it was, you know, again, with the necessity as a mother of invention, because, um, because when my daughter was born um, in 2017, she was actually born 11 weeks early. And so because of that, we've been very cautious about going out in public very much, especially during the wintertime. So we'd only go out really when it's, when it's necessary. I mean, obviously we got to go to work, but as soon as we both, you know, come, come home from work, we get a shower and that way we're, you know, kind of decontaminated. But what we would do since I was able to participate in Writing Pack Radio downstairs in my studio from time to time, it just didn't really feel the same. And I didn't really feel that same sort of vibe that I felt when I was actually there at, uh, at David's house with all the other members of, of the show. Sure. So I decided that, you know, like instead of, instead of trying to kind of force my way in, into that, why not just start my own? And then I, I asked uh, David, you know, like, do you mind if this show kind of becomes a part of say like a right pack radio network? And he just said, like, I was going to offer that anyway. So <laughs> now we're working together we're actually working together to not only on our own shows, you know, like, but um, he actually was the one who suggested um, Excelsior Journey to be the, to be the title of the show because uh, we were chatting at the annual St. Louis Writers Guild event called Gateway Con. And as we were chatting, my banner for Excelsior was right behind me. And he points to it and just says like, why not just call it the Excelsior Journey? And I was like, you know, that sounds like a, that's, that's a good call there. That sounds really good. And I was like, well, let's, let's go ahead and just tweak it a little bit and just call it Excelsior Journeys. So that way it's, you know, more than one and it's, 
know, it, it basically just covers, covers a whole spectrum of, you know, like all different creative people that are on their path to success. Mm -hmm. One thing like, you know, they, you know, you've, you've heard a lot of different podcasts that are out there where they're saying like, you know, I'm speaking to the CEO of this billion dollar company and that it gives you some sort of inspiration, but it's so far away from where the listener is. Yeah. And he's basically just kind of beckoning you on from the finish line while you're still at mile two and he's all the way at the end of mile 26. What I wanted to hear from was people who are working on their success along with you. So they're all on their, the great thing is about every guest that I've had is they're all on their path to their own personal success. So whether they've already done stuff or whether they're, or whether they're just getting their feet wet with, with something doesn't matter because they're still working towards something. And that's, that's the main thing that always really inspires me. I want to hear from people that are running in the race along with you, not the people that are just standing there at the finish line waving at you. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's, it's such a cool thing. Like I said, I was listening to your, that one episode and it, 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 you're just lifting people up and it's like, here's their story. Go check them out. You need to find it's It's really, really cool. Um, and I mean, I, I wish you the best with this show because that it looks it sounds amazing, and I think oh, you got a you really good thing going. Thank you very much. I really appreciate that. Uh, well, let's bring it back into your books again here. Now, tell us a little bit about, uh, we're going to be hearing today from Excelsior, book one. Yes. Yep. Tell us about uh, about this book. Well, Excelsior is, the book itself is all about a young man named Matthew Peters, who was actually inspired by my cousin, uh, Matthew Peter Hankel, who passed away in 2005. Um, he was always somebody that I always considered to be a personal hero of mine. Um, and so I actually got to honor him by making him my hero. Um, so basically what Matthew is, he is, uh, he is about 17 years old. He's been writing and drawing a webcomic for the past seven years about a character named Excelsior who's from another planet called DNAP4. And he gets visited by a woman who tells him that she is from the planet DNAP4. And everything that Matthew has been writing and drawing for the past seven years are Excelsior's memories. Because when he was 10 years old, he very briefly um, touched this sword that was on display at the Metropolitan Museum of Art. And it gave him this shock. And ever since then, he had been filled with all of these you know, scenarios, all these different characters, all these different, uh, these different situations that he had never heard of before. And he just started getting it out there the only way that he could, which was writing and drawing them in his little webcomic. And it turns out that what he did when he touched that sword was he inherited a little bit of Excelsior's life force because that life force was buried within that sword. And he's actually now next in line to become Excelsior incarnate. And he's got to do it fast because Excelsior's enemies are growing in power on both DNAP4 and on Earth. Oh, wow. This is, this sounds awesome. I cannot wait to hear this. So George, this has been amazing. I, you know, I knew this was going to be fun talking to you and I couldn't have been more right. I've had so much fun talking to you. Oh, likewise, man. Uh, This has been great. (laughs) Tell the audience, uh, where can we find you online? You can find me in a lot of places. Actually, you can find me on 
Uh, Twitter and Instagram, you can find me at uh, the same spot, which is at George Soroy, and it's spelled S-I-R-O-I-S, and it's all one word. You can also find me on my show, uh, which is uh, the, the main site for it, the home base, is excelsiorjourneys.podbean.com. As of this spring, it's going to be changed to windingtrailsmedia.podbean.com. Um, but uh, that's for that's for a different story later on. But since podcasts are forever, and somebody may just be picking that up, then if you're hearing this after April first, go to windingtrailsmedia.podbean.com. <laughs> but you can also hear uh, hear the show on not only on Podbean but also on Stitcher, on iTunes, on Google Podcasts, on Spotify, and on TuneIn. You can also find me on Facebook. Um, just go to facebook.com slash Excelsior Books, and that will give me the motivation that I need to keep that author page up and running. So, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and if you want to hear any more of, uh, any more of me rambling on, you can uh, go to uh, my website for more details, which is www.he'sgotit.com. Because my, my business for the audiobook narrating is called By George He's Got It. So. Yeah, just go to he's got it.com for more details. Very cool. Yes. And I'll have links for all this uh, in the show notes, everybody, so that way you can check this out. Definitely check out the show, go to the website, follow him on Twitter. Uh, it's lots of good stuff. So George, thank you so much again for, uh, for being on the show and uh, ladies and gentlemen, reading from Excelsior book one, George Soroy. Now, before I start, let me just go ahead and, and mention and I go into more detail after I finish reading this. But this little element here is based on a true story. So remember that. So this is this uh, this particular scene takes place right after, uh, not long after um, Matthew has been given a little bit of insight of what he has in store for the future. He doesn't know exactly what it is yet, but he knows that there is something going on. And it was because of a piece of hardware from DNAB4 called Virtual Future Goggles. And basically, he is able to kind of get a look of at what his future holds for him. And he saw basically just himself just leaving, leaving his home, leaving the earth, leaving the solar system, and going to somewhere else. And he doesn't know what that is yet, but he's... He will find out after this scene, but I wanted to pick this particular scene to read for your listeners because of how true it to real life it is. So uh, with that, I'm going to start. This is from chapter five of Excelsior, part one of the Excelsior journey. Matthew, that was a wonderful performance. Matthew's unexpected participation in class brought a giddy tone to Mrs. Webb's voice that lasted throughout the whole class. I've never heard a student read from Lamorte to Arthur with that much passion. Matthew shrugged his shoulders as he smiled at her. He couldn't tell her that at the moment he'd do anything to stop the video loop in his head from the virtual future device, even participate. She briefly touched his arm and he struggled not to turn pink. He wondered for a second if he seemed like as big a dork as Mr. Hayhurst. Mrs. Webb was, well, she was hot. She always reminded him of a California surfer girl with her short sun-streaked hair. I always liked that story. His voice cracked, and he looked down to study the laces on his sneakers so his face wouldn't betray him. Mrs. Webb nodded. I'm sure it helped you out a lot with your comics. You're still keeping up with them, right? Matthew nodded, his color returning to normal by his excitement. Oh, yeah. 
The next issue goes out on Friday, and I'm up to just over 5,000 readers. Excellent. That gets a high five. Matthew almost jumped back from the offered hand, then recovered with a resounding smack. I'm so glad you stuck with these characters, Mrs. Webb said while turning her attention to the book on her desk. You know, I'm ready to give you the final grade for the year. Those words immediately dried the inside of Matthew's mouth. Really? He asked. Mrs. Webb nodded. And I'm sure I don't have to remind you what it means to get an 85 or higher, right? You don't have to remind me. I got a study for three final exams so far. Well, I was going to show everyone their grades tomorrow, but since you're here and did so well in class today, I thought I'd let you see yours. Matthew's eyes rounded. Wow, thanks. Mrs. Webb sat down at her desk, positioning two pieces of paper above and below Matthew's grade and showed him the magic number. Matthew took a deep breath and looked down at the grade book. 83. Two points short. Matthew knew Mrs. Webb could see him wincing with disappointment. He mentally took stock of all the different homework assignments he had sleepwalked through during the year. Did it matter whether the report got an A or a C? No, it only mattered to him that it was done and that he still had time to work on his comics. Hmm, she said as he focused on his grade once again, hoping upon closer inspection those numbers would transform into something a little bit higher. You know, Matthew, the final exam is really to make sure that my students have a certain range of ability. Matthew hung on her words. So? So let's say I'll give you a little bit of... She paused and bit her lip. Let's call it Excelsior Extra Credit. Excelsior Extra Credit? Matthew repeated, not sure he heard her correctly. Mrs. Webb treated him to a brilliant smile. And it just so happens that Excelsior Extra Credit counts for two points on your final grade. Matthew was saved. The light in his eyes returned brighter than ever. Is this what it feels like to get paid for your work? Mrs. Webb let out a laugh that made Matthew's stomach feel like jelly. It is, yes. You know, a student of your caliber comes along only once in a while, Matthew. It's not often I have a pupil whose interests go beyond the classroom. I can tell you're going to do wonderful things when you leave this school. Unexpectedly, the virtual future images returned with a vengeance. Thanks, Mrs. Webb, was all he could manage. He was torn between basking in the moment and finally getting answers from the strange woman with the shades. You deserve it, Matthew. I believe you can do anything you put your mind to. Thanks. I'll remember that. He pointed to the door. I'd better go. Mrs. Webb laughed again. Of course. See you tomorrow. He could feel her eyes on him as he walked out the door toward the answers he was seeking. Somehow, it gave him courage. Now, I picked that particular piece because when I was, when I was a senior in high school, I had already said that my sophomore year English teacher and I did not see eye to eye, but it was a complete reversal with my senior year teacher. Uh, Mrs. Witten was absolutely amazing. And one of the assignments that she gave us at the very beginning of the year was that we all had to keep journals. And every week we would write a little something and she would go through them and mark little notes here and there. And one of the things that I had mentioned in my journal report, in my journal update, was that I had all, all these characters and I wasn't sure what I was going to do with them. Should I kill them all off? Should I you know, start something new? Should I put them away? You know, should I listen to mom and just say like, oh, they're, they're these stupid characters? Uh, you know, like, I, I'm torn on what I should do with them. 
And she responded saying she wanted to hear more about those characters. And so I was like, okay. And I just started basically throwing the whole universe at her just piece by piece so that she wouldn't be overwhelmed. But she knew that I had something here and she kept on talking about how great the, you know, my imagination was and how creative this was. And this was really something that she was really taken by. And it turns out that over at uh, Godwin high school, if you got an 85 average for your final grade, then you were exempt from taking the final exam. And so I went up to check my grade. She called us up, you know, like one by one. And she did that. She had the pieces of paper above and below. So that way we wouldn't see any of anyone else's grades. And I got to look at it and yeah, 83, two points short. And yes, I winced. And she just looked at me and just like, I don't really want to give you the final exam. So let's just say we get some Excelsior extra credit in here and then turn the three to a five right in front of my face. (laughs) And not only was I thrilled because I was exempt from taking an exam, but I got, as soon as I got home, I went over to my mother and just like, so those stupid characters just got me out of taking a final exam. And she, for ever, ever since then, she never said a bad word about any of these characters that I had in my mind, especially once both Excelsior and Ever Upward came out because she knew that there was a publisher that was investing in me and investing in these characters. So she knew I had something there. So yeah, when all of that happened, I knew that if given the opportunity, that moment had to be in a book and it is forevermore. That was George Soroy reading a sample chapter from Excelsior, book one of his ongoing series. What a great story that was. I, I'm looking forward to picking up a copy. Hopefully I get to meet George sometime uh, here in the, the next few months. And what an amazing and touching personal story there at the end of that chapter. It resonated with me. Don't forget to thank a teacher. You know, here's a teacher that made a difference and really you know, built George into the kind of person he is. Don't forget to thank a teacher. Don't forget to follow the links in the show notes so you can follow George and uh, everything he has to offer because he's got some great stuff. Don't forget to follow us and tune in for next week for another author, another story, and a new sample chapter. Thanks, everybody. Have a good week.